And here we go with another installment of Coffee at the Cottage. So excited for another edition of this podcast series. I'm Scott. We, of course, have Emily that will lead the conversation here momentarily. Uh, we've got the, the coffee, and we've got some, some lovely scones as well from, make sure I'm saying this properly, uh, Marion's Cafe, correct? Yep, and it used to be Legacy Chocolate. Um, and and the baking there is fabulous, and so is the food. Well, outstanding. I'll be enjoying uh, my coffee and uh, my scone here while you uh, have a, a familiar guest, by the way, who makes a, a repeat visit there. So take it away. Well, I am lucky enough to have Pat Thibodeau back again. Um, we He was our guest last time, and we talked a lot about Mabel Tainter, and we got so much feedback and so many questions, and I think thought it would be really, really a good idea to ask him to do a return visit, and he was gracious enough to agree. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Pat. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me back. I had jokingly said uh, when we set up the first one that it's going to end up being a series, and uh, here I am again. So <laughs> thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, Mabel, boy, what an intricate place. It's uh, it's had so much that's happened to it and where it's from where it started to where it is now uh, so much history in there it had gone into disrepair and disuse uh, in the 1950s there was quite a bit of discussion about how bad it was and the roof was leaking uh, things were getting destroyed inside and they decided they better get moving on it and started fixing it up. Uh, and it, because of that, that started the, the Women's Federation of Menominee, uh, actually got the Preservation Association together, and that became a major impact on the, on the Maybell Tainer. And um, there's actually three three different units that were in charge of that. So there was the Mabel Tainer Literary Library and Educational Society, the Preservation Association, and the Menominee Theater Guild. Overseeing the whole thing was the Mabel Tainer Literary Library and Educational Society, and uh, the president of uh, that in the 70s was uh, Dwight Agnew. And he kind of felt bad about the way it was being described. It, it became known as the library board, and they were responsible for much, much more of it than that. Uh, they were in, responsible for the whole building, but as everything gets shortened, either to an acronym or to whatever, it uh, became known as a library board. But uh, he did go into great detail uh, and about the things that needed to be done uh, in their whole operating budget was in uh, 1977 was $70,000. In 1978, $117,000. But that's because they were spending a lot of money fixing it up again. Thank God for Dwight Agnew. He was a wonderful man. He was one of the most respected individuals in Dunn County and maybe more. <laughs> he was. He was a real mover and... and Shaker and did but a lot quiet of quiet man. Very all in the background. Very yep. very quiet. 
his responsibilities at Stout and elsewhere. Uh, boy, I don't know how he kept it going as long as he did. He was really something. But uh, he he was very much insistent on the history of Mabel Tainer, what it stood for, and the part of the preservation associations duties was to make sure that everything that was done in there maintained the integrity of the original charter that was written by Andrew and uh, That's Bertha. probably why everybody respected and liked him so much because he was such an honorable person. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Everything that he did, it was just, he was kind of the go-to guy, I, mm -hmm. I, but he was so quiet. Yeah. It, it, was, it was really something I was, I was pleased to have had the chance to have known him. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of different people that got involved in the theater uh, and the, the whole Tainer building. Uh, Christine Klatt, mm. a lot of people remember, she was born in the same year that the building was built. So she was born in 1889. And in 1992, at 103 years old, she toured the building again. Oh, wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it was really something. And, and to add to that, her grandfather was Thomas K. Welke, who was born in, and raised in Scotland and became a master stonemason there and before coming to America. And he came here and he oversaw the stone crew in the, of the building of the building. So she has deep connection to it. She was in the theater working, uh, she did volunteering and things uh, as a young, young gal. And she suddenly realized that, oh, that was, there was a portrait of her grandfather down there on the wall. She said, uh, this was in 1992, she said, uh, I don't know where it went to, it's missing. So what? Another, another piece of, yeah. Another so piece who of was the artist? Was that the portrait painter? I don't know. I, okay. I would, uh, it may possibly have been, but I doubt it. Because, okay. Um, there were seven of those uh, that were done. Uh, as it turned out, the curator of the, um, Washington, uh, let me see if I can, uh, they were talking about the, um, the paintings that were done by Cogswell. Right. And they didn't realize what they were. And uh, James Ketchum, a former curator at the White House, now cur then curator at the National Capitol, visited the memorial some years ago, and he was astounded to find so many Cogswell paintings under one roof. So, so I personally have never heard of that portrait painter, but in checking it out, it's pretty astounding. How many were there? There was, uh, they thought there was five, but they did find two more. So okay, there was so seven. seven. Seven in total in there. And yeah, he was a extremely uh, famous portrait artist uh, since he did Lincoln. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and uh, before he died. And so he also did Grant and uh, several others. And that's what uh, Tainer was gonna have him come do it because he yeah. wanted him to do good stuff. Can you? I mean, it's just amazing to think that 
you know, the relationship with Washington, D.C. and Menominee, Wisconsin, and the Mabel Tainter, and to get these artists to come and do that artist to come and do that portrait and for little Menominee um, Mabel Tainter having a Renoir. Um, do you want to talk about the article that you shared with me? The uh, article was, uh, it was when they opened up the children's uh, library in the basement and they did an article, they were going to do an open house and they wanted to talk about how the all the things that had been done and how it had been fixed up and the amount of work that it took to do so. Uh, they opened up the children's library in the basement because the, uh, the regular library was overwhelmed. And I thought, well, that's a good way to do it. They could separate that out and have a separate area for the kids, which is a great idea. Um, and they said that uh, on the, it was a little, uh, fireplace that they had that was mm -hmm. it was a theatrical presentation for the kids to see so it wasn't any fire in, in it but uh, there uh, there were three pictures adorned the walls a painting titled a girl with a watering can by Auguste Renoir which was given as a memorial for Mrs. Marie Flint by the PEO uh, and then there was an early scene of Menominee uh, when the city was mostly on the other side of the river as it was said, and a tinted photograph of Mabel Tainer, daughter of Catherine and Mrs. Uh, Andrew Tainer. <coughs> Excuse me. The um, PEO was, is the uh, philanthropic education, educational organization. Mm -hmm. It was a group of women that uh, made sure that, that others were getting their education where possible and things that wonderful uh, wonderful group uh, and they still exist today I think that maybe there's two or three um, groups there there are uh, still a number of members of the organization mm -hmm. here in Menominee uh, Carolyn mm -hmm. Onstead was that's where I got my introduction to a uh, wonderful lady and her sister were also involved in it um, a lot of people and and still active today, <laughs> so they're they're really something else and and uh, often associated with the Women's Federation. So, I know you spoke. I don't mean to dwell on the Renoir, but I am just so impressed with that. Um, I know you spoke last time you were here about possibly it being in a museum. Were you able to find any documentation as far as where or how it left the Mabel? You know, was it hard times and it needed to be sold? Or, you know, it, it, it's just very interesting. And I'm not implying someone took it. I oh, no, just want to know where it is. Yeah, it, that's one of the interesting things that I did look. Uh, it is in a museum out in the East Coast, and I forget which one it was, but they actually do have their provenance listed uh, on their art pieces, and that one is listed, but it doesn't mention anything at all about Menominee or anyone associated here that would have had it or how it would have gotten here. Um, I don't, I can't say. I looked and looked and looked and yeah. I couldn't find anything on it. See, that just doesn't make sense, something like that. Yeah, I also looked on the, for the Lost Pleiad. Right. Which uh, is up in the Minneapolis Institute of Arts and uh, they don't list any provenance and there's, uh, 
lot of the museums don't list too much unless it was pre uh, 34 or somewhere out mm -hmm. in there because that was a time when there was a lot of art theft from world wars and things so uh, mm -hmm. they were very they really want to cover themselves on those I was really happy to read the article you shared with me because it talks about both of those art pieces specifically where they were placed yeah yeah and the the children's library downstairs they mm -hmm. had a table that actually sat on the base of the uh that was used for the lost pleiad right right so, so that remained there but the lost pleiad lost does not <laughs> that's why it's called lost right yeah. yeah that's interesting um you know like i said i could understand that um you know if they fell on hard times that they would have to sell it or whatever but um it's a mystery to me. Yeah, there's a lot of, well, they did a lot of art exhibits, a lot of things that they had moved around and used here and there, mm -hmm. and some of them got shuffled around, and I, you know, where they ended up, I don't know. The Lost Pleiad was given on loan, and that was uh, a front up to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, but uh, the, I think the morals of the city <laughs> forbade it from being come back. Why? Well, she's naked. Oh, big Rest deal. Woman. No, <laughs> we, can't, we can't have that monomony. So Well, they put it in the children's <laughs> library. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why they moved it out. It's for that reason. But, oh my God, that's quite the um, pricey piece of art. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was very interesting to, to learn of that because of the, hmm. the way it came here and, and that it was actually left in the mansion uh, when they when they when sure. the Wilsons abandoned it, so uh, so yeah. not not the Wilson Place Museum, right? That, right. that building Their was home. another mansion that was yep. torn down. Yeah, uh, and uh, that was just sitting in the in the basement all by itself. So now, can we talk about Evergreen Cemetery a little? That's where the tainters are buried, I believe. One of my favorite places of all. I know, I, was, I know. I got I, how long were yeah. you there as a caretaker? I was I was a sexton for Sex, yep. uh, for Evergreen Cemetery for a number of years. I I had the great fortune of uh, studying under one of the most wonderful people in the world, Carolyn Onstead. Uh, love her dearly. Uh, it was uh, so sad for her loss, and uh, but she taught me an awful lot. And one of the main things that she had in her heart and in her mind and in her soul every bit of her was respect uh they often called her a lot of names down the cemetery <laughs> because she would if you were down there fooling around she was down there kicking you out she was not going to have anything to do with any kind of uh, horseplay or anything else or anything it was in any way might have even been looked at as disrespectful in there uh, now hmm. I wonder if there's a book on etiquette in the cemetery or for a cemetery, because um, I remember, hmm, well, it's the reason we met. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember, I think I had just bought my sister and I each a plot yeah. um, out there. And I was, the reason I bought it was because my brother's buried out there, my sister-in-law, my niece, and many other people that I know. 
And there's just something about Evergreen Cemetery that is serene, an island. Yes. It's very private, and it's, it's such an honor to even drive over the little bridge to get there. It's just beautiful. Yeah. So I had heard that Mabel Tainter was going to have a ghost event, Halloween. Yeah. And um, they charged <clears throat> to take people out on this tour at night. Yep. I was very upset about it. I talked to my sister. She was very upset about it. A cemetery should be a resting place. It should be respectful. Um, I remember being taught what you can and cannot do in a cemetery. Um, but it was to go out there and look for ghosts, I think. They and were, They were using it as, a, as an alternative placement for their ongoing ghost tour series. And I, I just am I'm adamantly opposed to, to turning Menominee into a ghost town. I always have been. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't. It's if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But don't take it in the cemetery. When you told me about it, I was actually livid. Because I called you and said, "What livid. is going on?" And then found out that you were not there anymore. Yeah, there was no longer Sexton there. But I, I said, "No, they aren't doing that there." And I, I. I started making calls and contacts, and that put an end to that very quickly, thankfully, because, and thanks for bringing that to the attention, because they'd sold tickets, they had it advertised yeah. all over everything, and then they start to backtracking right away and say, oh, no, this wasn't, no, it's not a ghost tour, it's a, it's a, it's a respectful, um, it's a respectful In the middle of the tour. night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I blame that on to the president of Mabel Tainter Board. He should have known better. If he portrays himself as being in charge of Mabel Tainter and the history of Mabel Tainter, shame on him. Yeah, and I, I find him, the lack of imagination that's that's there is is disturbing to me because I there's so many things in Menominee that are so great, so wonderful, and absolutely and it seems that the two points of focus here are ghost tours and bars. Yep. And I, I, there's just so much. When we did, I was uh, I was lucky enough to be a part of the first uh, Living Cemetery event at Evergreen, and it was phenomenal. People still talk about it. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it so much. It was it was such a wonderful, respectful, and, and enlightening uh, and beautifully presented uh, presentation that we we just uh, we had to do it again. It cost a lot of money, and a lot of time, a lot of work. I did the second one. I started the second one up, and ran that and organized it. And man, that was a bundle. And unfortunately, it's so expensive it had to stop because we had to get insurance. We had to get things for all things that need to be done, organized. We had so many volunteers, such a wonderful thing. People that spent their time costuming and things. Um, and uh, Theater Guild, unfortunately, wasn't very helpful with that. They, they 
awfully protective of their costuming, but uh, <laughs> and put too many restrictions on it. So we all did our own things, uh, but it, people still wanted us to do it again. And I think right. that's something that if you, if the Tainer Mabel Tainer board wanted to look at something, do something like this. I do something respectful. A third option to this was to, for the third one was to get, do this various places throughout the city of Menominee, different uh, venues, uh, the park, the Wilson Mansion, the Tainter, the downtown area, uh, outside of town, anywhere, do all these different portrayals, first person portrayals that draw people in, gives some history and some interest about these people, something other than their ghosts. Yeah. And some, some real true history and something that, that gives us an understanding of our foundation here, what we're all about. Full disclosure, I believe in, I don't want to call them ghosts, but um, I have felt, I have seen people um, that have passed on, and I respect that. Yeah, I wouldn't try and make some money off it. And I, and I think that's a different thing than ghosts. Yeah, I do and, too. That's and, why I didn't I, refer to it as ghosts. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't, you know, I, I personally don't believe in it. I've, I've never had that happen to me, but I will say that uh, Mr. McGilton, who had the uh, lumbering operations up in uh, Cedar Falls, was... Uh, his, the house that he had up mm -hmm. in here that he built was, had apparitions. Sure. And uh, the daughter who married uh, the Coleman's, the sheriff, the one that was killed on, on duty down in Durand, and then the hanging in Durand was because of that. Well, his brother was married to McGilton's daughter, and she was a frail young lady, and... Be all because of this when she was growing up there was things flying off the wall of the shelves things like I'm not going to call anybody a liar it isn't about that it's a matter of okay this is something that you feel personally that you involve yourself in it's not everybody in the room sees it we're not having a seance it is about I don't have a problem with you know a lot of houses I don't know if it's a lot but you know you'll find houses that do haunted houses during Halloween yeah. and stuff. Well, that's, well, that's fun. different. Yeah, that's that's fun. somebody's house. It's not something sacred. Yeah. They're not, you're not taking real people and putting them into no, a position of being, no. becoming ghosts. Um, you know, and, and it bothers me that the leadership from the Mabel Tainter had to put in the spirit room. I've, you know, and, and, and I keep hearing that the reason was that they had to do it to keep <laughs> going economically. Well, I don't understand. Now, two years in a row, they did concerts, and I was told by the executive director the first year that their stage cost $10,000 alone to to rent it for an for the entertainment. Um, plus, they had to pay for the entertainment. They had some sponsorship. But how can they afford that 
and not be able to exist without alcohol. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a fairly uh, weak excuse for it. I, I, I don't know if any uh, alcohol, you know, if they serve alcohol at the Dunn County Fair, that does not support the fairgrounds and, and pay for it for a year. It's not going to do it. It's just not. It doesn't oh. provide that much revenue. It's a, it's a, it's a party. I, I was told by someone that the other reason they have the bar is because they're trying to somewhat replicate Zanzibar so people can go and not ha have loud um, hmm, TVs blasting so they can't talk. Um, well, I used to do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I want to say is there's only certain times that all those bars have the TVs going and um, there's probably one night a week or like maybe uh, final um, they, they you had, know they had wedding venues at, at the uh, museum uh, mm -hmm. and they didn't have to have a bar there. No. It wasn't, they, they, they allowed the other ones, they had to have a license yep. to be there. They could bring in right. what they, what they wanted. And then they had a licensed bartender. My wife actually worked there and she got her bartender's license yep. so they could do that. They didn't have to open a bar at the museum. No. Well, but, you know, the point is, is Mabel Tanner doesn't pay any real estate taxes. They're tax exempt and they are competing with every place downtown yeah. and it's a shame and and sixth ave cidery or cidery on sixth ave i always get it confused they um don't have any tvs in there and it's only like a short two blocks from mabel um there's other places up and down main street that this nonprofit is competing with. Yeah, it's it's just a shame to, to see it. It's, again, so disrespectful, and I just don't, I, I, I wish that the board had a little bit more insightful group mm -hmm. that would pay attention to what really is needed. And no, Andrew and Bertha are not sitting there smiling, going, no. oh, look, people are using the building because they've got a bar in there. No. They, it's not what it was all about and it shouldn't be and it should be removed and yeah. I'm you know I, I as as I've seen comments from the last podcast there's a lot of people that that uh, agree with that seem to agree with it. <laughs> yeah I, yeah I haven't yeah. had anybody saying no it's they really should have a bar there no. we've been waiting for that for years no. all my life you know and and you know quite frankly there has been certain things to demonstrate that it is not you know, an event that demonstrates that it is not the smart way to go. Yeah. And I will stop at that point. Yeah, I, I, uh, and, and speaking of ghosts, I was thinking, you know, if there was going to be a ghost, there would probably be Henry Dottie Maxson, who was the uh, head of the Unitarian Church. That's one of the reasons he was the one that talked Tainter into building that building. Really? Yeah, as a memorial to his daughter. Uh, Andrew had actually wanted to 
build a building, a memorial, after his death. And when Mayville died, he, Henry Dottie Maxson, saw the, the, the sorrow and thought that this might be a good way for him to come through that. Uh, Tainter was, n Andrew wasn't a, uh, as far as I know, wasn't a member of the Unitarian Church, but his wife was. Bertha was. That's you know, those building. darn women rule, don't they? Yep, that, that, <laughs> yes, that, that building is her building. Yeah, yeah. And that came through. In the <clears> end, so, uh, and one other thing that I just, I have to say, sorry, I know it's not going to be nice, but um, that building was not, uh, Mabel was not a great lover of the arts that, that, uh, that inspired this thing in the theater and all that. She was not. She was just a young lady at 19 years old with a huge future ahead of her. Uh, she played piano, but uh, as most any refined young woman of the time would, she'd certainly add her arts and her music, but uh, that was not the reason that that building was built. There's no mention of it all until much, much later that was, well, some people around the state or cities have said that something, and there was no such inference anywhere in any of the written documents. Everywhere. See, I always got the impression, or not always, you know, you provided me with a lot of documentation that I'm still working my way through. Um, I never got the impression that it was because Mabel was such a love of the arts or anything. I got the impression it was because Andrew and Bertha Tainter had such love for their daughter that they wanted and to dedicate. Hopes. Yep. Yep. hopes going forward and and so they wanted to build something that was lasting memory they yes. wanted everyone to have the opportunities to become what she had she had gone away to school <laughs> and so this was an opportunity for all of for the tainters to impress us upon the, the citizens of Menominee that yes. they can be something that they should learn they should become a part of the community they should uh, they should avail themselves of all these opportunities to improve themselves and better themselves right. through life. Right. That was the, the, the men's young men's club, yes. the women's uh, clubs and organizations Correct. and stuff. So that that's, was the main influence on this. And that coming from the Unitarian uh, Society and um, the GIR, by the way, I always wondered about this one because Tanner was no fool. Uh, Andrew and Bertha certainly was a driving force. I don't quite understand how he set aside those rooms for the GAR, knowing that the GAR was intended to zero out at some point. Because GAR only took membership from veterans of the Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah. See, it wasn't any more Civil War. There are no veterans of it. They will die off. Mm -hmm. And the, the last uh, vet of Dunn County was Albert S. Sorkness of Colfax. And he died in 1940 at 101 years old. Wow. So, yeah. 101 at, during yeah. that time period. And Rockwell, <coughs> the original Rockwell, Jay sure. Flint, the, the one that came here and started the newspaper there, uh, he was the first and last commander of the GIR. Interesting. So, so he had set aside these rooms, but they kind of did move on into the uh, veterans' organizations. Sure, but sure. But eventually they just... They moved out of there and moved on, and they used the other rooms, those rooms for other things. Uh, the museum that was put up in there at the, at the uh, idea of uh, John Russell, and uh, 
so it, it's been used and it's been it was given still given the proper respect of what Tainer had intended it to be right and that was by the museum and keeping some of those things and uh, they did have some of the uh, GAR artifacts and things that they kept in there so mm -hmm. you know those were important where a lot of that stuff went I don't know I think a, a much might have gone to the uh, to the museum sure which is a good place for it yes. a better place yes people. well Pat I know you stayed up till three o'clock this morning <laughs> <coughs> coming up with you know refreshing your memory on all the facts that you brought up today and I totally appreciate and it I didn't Thank even you. get to the pinky banks Oh, the Pinky Panks, <laughs> God. You know, Sorry. if you think of the Pinky Panks, you think of the Mabel Tainer immediately, right? Yep. But anyway, thank you so much again. And thank you very much. I really appreciate it. it was, it's, it's enjoyable. It's always fun to see you. Thank you. It's time to get your holiday party booked at Jake's Supper Club. Jake's has private rooms to accommodate any size group, including two large dining rooms overlooking beautiful Tainter Lake. Jake's Banquet Party services include full bar, special buffet and menu options, along with the creative know-how to make your party the Northwoods experience you're looking for. Call Jake's right now and let them help you make your holiday party an event to remember. Go to jakesupperclub.com for more details.